the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are joining me today on Conversations with Cynthia. Always glad that you're joining me. And today I have a show that is entitled Loving Difficult People or Loving the Unlovable. I'm sure you have people in your life that are difficult to love. I'm sure that you have had to contend with unlovable people. Of course, all of us want to believe that we're not the unlovable ones, nor are we the difficult ones. So I would like to believe that, but I'm sure that in my life I have been difficult to love. So when we look at this idea of loving people, I want us to remember that there are these three types of love that the Bible talks about. And there is the first one that is agape, the second is phileo, and the third is eros. And we have this tendency to really only practice the last two. We kind of practice either phileo love or eros love. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this later on in the show. And we forget to practice the first one. You see, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. That he came into the world to save the world, not not to condemn the world. And so when you think about this overarching love that God has for all mankind, the best to the worst, and so we want to remind ourselves that when he died for us, we were not yet his friends, and we were not the bride at that time. And so it's all about redeeming people and helping people be really who they were intended to be. And so I want you to think about this idea. Who, who is lo- unlovable in your life? Who is that person that you can think of? Or, or maybe you have many people in, in different areas of your life. I, I mean, today, the world is much more contentious than it has been, and people are a lot more stressed out, and we have very, very complicated problems. So we are quite difficult at times. All you have to do is drive out on the road and find out how difficult people can be or interact with them in the grocery store, Right. So I want you to think about who is this unlovable person in your life. We can start all the way out to the the farthest ripple. Maybe it's the the Syrian refugee, the Haitian orphan, uh, the forgotten child that's sold into sex trafficking. That's an unlovable, what would seem to be the unlovable person or the least of these. Maybe it's the homeless person on the street begging for money. 
the same way, the same place, every day you pass by. Maybe it's a wayward child or a difficult neighbor. Maybe you have an estranged family member. Maybe you just have a difficult family. Maybe it's a difficult co-worker or a boss or even your partner or maybe the difficult, most difficult person in your life is your spouse or your partner. Maybe it's who used to be your best friend. Maybe it's the people you work with or the people that you go to church with. Maybe it's the person on the other side of the political aisle. See, God tells us to hate the sin but love the sinner. And what I've seen happen is that we have taken this to a whole new level. We not only hate the sin, but hate the sinner even more. Now, we are called to make a difference, and we are called to shine light in dark places. And I want you to think about this idea of light in dark places. I mean, have you ever had someone turn the light on when you've been laying in the darkness? And think how much it hurt your eyes. So we need to be much kinder, much gentler, as we reveal light to a darkened world. And so we are not to judge the person. And we oftentimes think they have the light, and and they oftentimes think that we are the ones in darkness. And so how do we love this unlovable, especially when they are harming our lives? That's a really difficult one. It's bad enough that their lives may be in ruin or that they are ruining their lives. But what about when it's directly affecting us? How do you love the unlovable? Well, this is a really, a very powerful question and a very poignant question. And it's a question that we probably know the answer to, but we'd probably rather have a more direct or easier solution other than Jesus. And that we really cannot do this, this without the love of God. It's It's the impossible. The unlovable means that if we don't have the love of God inside of us, we are not going to be able to pull it off. We might go through the motions. We might appear kind. We might appear gentle. We might appear nice. But it probably won't be authentic. And so to authentically love the unlovable, we need the authentic love of Christ. And so I want you to think about this. We know we can't do it without Jesus. He came to love the unlovable, and it killed him. That's how harsh this world is. And we in America, many times, it's it's kind of crazy-making because we can look outside the window, our houses, people, and it all looks rather nice. It looks really beautiful. We don't have bombs going off and people, you know, in in shacks and and no water and no food. It all looks wonderful, but it doesn't feel that way. And so when you think about the fact that Jesus came to love this unlovable world and it actually killed him, then we have to understand that that's probably how what's going to happen with me, is that there's something that's going to have to die in me in order for me to truly love the unlovable just as Jesus did. So loving the unlovable is going to feel like it's killing us. I don't know, maybe that's the point. So this passage in Luke, it's chapter 10, verse 27, and this is in the Message Bible. It's very simple yet very comprehensive. And Jesus says that you love the Lord your God 
with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. So we've done lots of shows about loving self and dealing with ourselves and our own internal world and how we react and act toward ourselves and that the way we love ourselves many times is going to be the way we love others. Not always, but a great majority of the time. So I want you to think about this idea that many times when I love my neighbor the way I should love myself, then maybe sometimes it comes back to me and it strengthens me. And maybe sometimes if I really will truly love me the way I need to be loved, I may have more energy to love my neighbor. But all in all, it's going to come down to the fact that if I don't have the love of Christ, I don't stand a chance loving the unlovable. I don't have the capacity. And so some more helpful verses I want to give to you today, just just to kind of set the stage for what we're looking at. And this is Luke. Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36. This says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other. From the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. I mean, that's, that's, an, that, that's pretty big. When I read that, I just think, God have mercy on me. I don't know how to do that. And I, I, I love people. I mean, my life's work is for people. I really love humans. And usually as soon as I start to talk to somebody, hear a little bit about their story, get to know them a little bit, I fall in love with them very quickly. That doesn't mean it's always easy. That doesn't mean I always enjoy it. That doesn't mean... I like everybody all the time. I don't even like myself half the time. So we have to remind ourselves that loving and liking are not always the same. It's wonderful when we like the people we love. But it doesn't mean that we don't need to still love the people we don't like. And so when we think about love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, That's a huge thing. But what that does is that shines light in all the dark places here on the planet. And a little bit does go a long way. Because that little bit thwarts the plans of the enemy to create dissension and faction in our families, in our workplace, in our cities, in our countries. So let's look at another one. This is Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. This is a big one. And this is the English Standard Version, if you are wanting the version. It says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. And seek to show hospitality. And, of course, we have the famous Corinthians, the chapter 13. And this is the love is patient and love is kind. It's not irritable or resentful. That's a big one. Wow. I have to really practice that one because sometimes I can get, I can get irritable and I can feel resentful. And it says it doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, 
See, this is one of the kindest things about God is that if I get what I deserve, let's say that I do something and I get the appropriate consequence. God does not rejoice. He doesn't rejoice when something bad happens to me because I deserve it. And we are not to do that with one another or with other people, those unlovable that we think, well, yeah, they finally got what they deserved. We don't rejoice in bad things happening. But we rejoice with the truth. And so let's look at this last verse before we end, end this particular segment of the show. This is Matthew 18, verse, um, chapter 18, verse 15. It says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. So this means that it's between each other, that we are not to speak poorly against other people. And if we do, it's part of saying, I got to get a handle on this. Do you have any insight for me? Can you pray for me? Can you help me? Because I am having really bad feelings about this person. So I appreciate you being with me on the show today. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about loving the unlovable. And make sure you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Welcome back. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. If you're just joining in, please make sure that you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And it is a brand new website, so I'm really excited about it. And my name is spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. So today we are talking about loving the unlovable, loving the difficult people in our lives, whoever they are, from the person that's the the homeless person that we see every day on the same street corner, to the person that we live with, to the person that we work with, to our neighbors, to the people on the other side of the political aisle. And, And that we really want to make sure that we are saying, we can disagree, but we still need to love. We still need to love, which means we we really need to be careful about hating people we don't know. This is a really easy thing for humans to do. We do it very frequently. I can fall into the same, same trap of hating personalities or people that I have never met. And I need to remind myself, I don't know these people. I hear the things they say. I look at a lot of their lifestyle. That doesn't mean I know the person. That means I know the behaviors. And so we have to be very careful because I can't tell you how many times someone comes into my office they have terrible, terrible trouble in their life. Lots of mistakes that they have made, lots of things that they have done wrong, and many times they are very unlovable when they show up because they are very hurt and uncomfortable and their life's not working. So they don't have peace. So I so you have to remind yourself that until you really know the backstory, you have to be careful about saying you hate that person. Because God doesn't want us to be hating anyways. That's not, that's not something that, that God is, is appreciative of, other than hating sin and the effect that it has. But once we recognize that that person struggling with sin, that is taking down their life. So we can hate the sin and what it's doing to them. We cannot hate the person. The person was created by God. The person is loved by God. And that person 
God died for. Every human on the planet that has ever been created and born was died for by God. Every single one of them. And we need to remind ourselves of that. That many of these people that we are struggling with, we don't know their story. We don't know where God is in their life. And we don't know what God's doing. What we do know is that God is working just as hard in their life for them to turn and to love him as he is in your life or in mine. So let's look at this verse that we opened up the show with, and that's John three sixteen and 17. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Every single difficult person and unlovable person that you see in the media, that you see, that you see in, in, the, in the street, that you see at work, that you see in your home, that you see in your neighborhood, every single one of those people Jesus died for to be saved through him. And so let's look at John thirteen thirty five. This is by all this, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This doesn't just mean love for the Christians that you like. This means love for his planet, for his world, for all of his children, no matter how far or how near they are to him. And let me give you this last verse, Philippians 4, 30, 13. This says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So in order to do this thing, this love the unlovable, I am going to need that strength. I'm going to need the strength from Jesus that I can do all those things that he is asking me to do. So let's look at the preliminary definition of love. I really like this. And this is a helpful to prepare for this entire study that we are going to do today. And so this says that love is heartfelt affection of the Christian in response to the love God has shown toward us, especially in the gift of salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Love is an affection which prompts the Christian to action. Love is first and foremost directed toward God and then directed toward others in an order of priority, which means God, me, family, especially mate first, fellow believers, neighbors, our enemies. Love subordinates the interests of the lover to the one who is loved. Love inspires deliberate, diligent, self-sacrificial services to others. And that is intended for their good and many times at our expense. Our love as Christians is to be both a response to God's love and a reflection of his love. And so we see this in chapter 12, Romans, Romans chapter 12. This is about a living sacrifice. And he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And this is the love for his world. That is his perfect will. So thankfully, we don't have to be Jesus. I don't have to love every single human. I just need to love the ones that I'm in contact with. I also need to love the ones that I see in the media, 
that I hear on the radio so that when I hear something that bothers me, I need to be praying that God is working in their life and that the people that are surrounding this person are able to speak into their life. And that I'm praying for mercy for these difficult people, that they will hear and see the love of God and change. And God loves those prayers for his people. That helps me to do something other than be thinking about all the reasons I hate that person, right? Because this is a difficult thing, especially in today's world. So we're going to start this next segment with understanding the differences of these loves. What is phileo? What is eros love? Because these are our favorite ones to practice. Agape love is John 3.16. That's the love for all mankind. That's the love that God wants us to give every human that we interact with, whether we like them or not. So when we come back in this next segment, we are going to start with understanding these questions of phileo love and eros love. And we're going to give a brief definition of these, understanding that these two types of loves are the ones that we practice most often, and that agape love is the one that is the most difficult. And that is truly the verse that we see in John 3.16, as well as that verse we started out with that is Romans 12, and that's the living sacrifice that God is asking us to be. So recognize I want you to be thinking about who specifically are the unlovable people in your life. And I want you to be saying to God, okay, God, I don't know if I can change my heart toward these people. I don't know if I can actually like them. But God, I need to, to, for you to give me a godly love for them that I have an understanding of how precious they are to you, how much they get on my nerves. But God, you see past all of that. So Lord, help me to love the unlovable people in my life. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about these different types of love and what God is asking us to do and also enabling us to do. Make sure you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining in today. If you are just joining, you are kind of midway through our hour, so I want to make sure you can listen to the show in its entirety. And so visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That is spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T. Also, our Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt, Inc. That's INC, um, INC for Incorporated. Also, Instagram and Twitter, we've got lots of things on all those different places. So make sure you kind of look into those things for lots of inspiration and motivational uh, sayings and quotes and blogs that we have. And then you'll also know what shows are coming up and where I'm speaking or singing anytime in the future. So if you are also looking for a conference speaker or a motivational, inspirational speaker for your organization, make sure that you check into the website and you can contact me there, and we can get something set up for your organization. So we left off uh, this last hour on understanding that there are three types of loves that occur in the human experience. And we have agape, phileo, and eros love. And phileo and eros are pretty much the ones that we like to practice. So 
let's look really at what these three types of love are. And so phileo love, this, this is truly the word, um, th- this love is phileo, which is, it's part of philosophy or love of wisdom or philanthropy, so, which is love of the fellow man. So this word really speaks more about a warm affection that we share between family and friends. And eros, which that one is also family, also part of that, that warm love and affection, but it is also more addressing the, the sexual aspect of a relationship. So phileo is, is more about the emotions. It's the heart. Because metaphorically speaking, it's, it's our passion that we have for someone, that we feel towards someone that we know. And so we feel love for our friends and family, and, and, and it motivates us to want to treat them kindly, help them succeed, um, come alongside. And so phileo is not necessarily felt between people that we have enmity toward one another, right? So we don't feel friendly toward people that we disagree with. We don't feel friendly toward people that we don't admire or people that have a different lifestyle than we do. And so phileo love is really about friends and family, and it's not about the people that we dislike or that we hate. And so what you want to think about is this phileo love is part of what makes communities and families happen. It is also that love that causes us to feel connected, to have a sense of belonging. So there's a tendency for us to want to be having this phileo love with everybody. Now, some of that's in the hardwiring of humans. That comes from the heart of God that he is wanting us to be united. He's wanting us to be one body. The problem is, because of the breakdown in the world, fallen nature, we can't really be friendly with everybody. So although we may want to be friends with everyone, it's not happening. So what we want to think about is, wow, if I can't be friendly or have phileo love for someone, that doesn't mean I can't love them. That's what we're really going to be addressing. So the next one is this idea of what is eros love. Well, unlike English, in which the word love means many different things, the Greek uses those three words, phileo, agape, and eros, to describe this range of what love really is. So the word eros, which is where we get our English word for erotic, and eros is the word used to express sexual love or feelings of arousal that are shared between people that you're physically attracted to. So what you want to think about is we have phileo, we have eros love. We pretty much like to only do those, those, those loves because the love that God is talking about when he's talking about John 3.16 is agape. And this is the most unnatural type of love for humans because this is translated into a different type of love. This is the essence of self-sacrifice. So agape love is not used in the Bible to refer to romantic or sexual love. It doesn't mean close friendship or brotherly love. It, it means charity. And it, it's carried over from the Latin. Agape love is unique and it's distinguished by its nature and its character. It's the love that comes from God. It is his very nature himself. The Apostle John affirms this. He talks about this in verse John chapter 4, verses 8, where he says God is love. Not God merely loves, but he is love himself. And so everything God does flows from love. So it's important that when we think about God's love, that it's not sappy, sentimental. It's, 
It's this all-encompassing goodwill. And, and it's an expression of his being. So he loves the unlovable and the unlovely, not because we deserve to be loved, but because it's his nature to do so. And he must be true to his nature and to God's character. And so God's love is displayed clearly at the cross where Christ died for the unworthy. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the last segment as we talk about how we actually do agape love with the unlovable people in our lives. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you're just joining in, we are talking today about loving the unlovable or loving those difficult people. So we spent a lot of time really listening and and reading some gospel about what love really is and what God is calling us to do. And then we talked a little bit about these three types of love. And we talked about phileo love, eros love, and agape love. And phileo love is that friendly love. That's where we get that, that uh, the city is named Philadelphia. That's the brotherly love. And that's that affection that we have for people that we like. And that's that closeness, that community where we want to come alongside and support them. Eros love is that attraction, that erotic feeling. That's where we get the English word for eroticism or erotic. And so we kind of as humans like to do those two loves. We really don't like this agape love. And when we talked in the last segment, we talked about agape love being self-sacrificial, that that's really what it is, and, and it's the nature of God himself. And it's not sappy, it's not sentimental. It's the expression of God's being. He loves the unlovable and the unlovely, not because we deserve to be loved, but because it's his nature to do so. And he's true to his nature and his character. And God displayed this love clearly at the cross where Christ died for the unworthy creatures who were, quote-unquote, dead in their trespasses and sins. Not because we did anything to deserve it, but God commands his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and that's Romans 5.8. So the object of agape love never does anything to merit his love. I'm going to say that one more time. The object of agape love never does anything to merit his love. We are undeserving recipients upon who he lavishes that love. And so we see this in Luke 19.10 where he said that he came to the world to seek and save that which was lost and to provide eternal life to those he sought and saved. So in the same way, we are to love others sacrificially. Jesus gave us the parable of the Good Samaritan as an example of sacrifice for the sake of others, even though, even for those who may not care anything at all for us or even hate us, as the Jews did hate the Samaritans. Sacrificial love is not based on a feeling. It's determined by an act of the will. It's a joyful resolve to put the welfare of others above our own. And this type of love does not come naturally to humans. You know, because of our fallen nature, we are incapable of producing this type of love. So we are to love as God loves. And that agape love can only come from its true source. 
So this is the love which has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. That's Romans 5, 5. And because that love is now in our hearts, we obey Jesus who said, I give you a new command that you love one another as I have loved you. You should love one another. This is a new commandment. And that's John thirteen thirty four. See, it's clear that only God can generate within us the kind of self-sacrificing love which is proof that we are his children. This is big, especially in today's world. People are not believing Christians are true or real. And the way they know we are Christians is by our love. It doesn't mean that we agree with sin. It means that that is God's job to change. And we are the vessels through which that occurs. And so because of God's love toward us, we are able to love one another. We lay our lives down for our brothers. Whether they are a brother we chose or a brother we like, what we understand is that every person created belongs to God. And God is hoping and working relentlessly day and night to make sure they come home to him. And we are the vessels that God uses to make sure that happens. And it is tough. It is hard to love the sinner and hate the sin. It's so much easier to hate the sin and hate the sinner even more. Especially when we think that those people that are sinning are going to be ruining our lives. And we have to say to God, do I trust you or not? God, is this your world or not? Because I am to love first. So that means that if I don't feel friendly, I can still bless them. I can still pray for them. I can still ask God for a sense of peace and a sense of calm and a sense of acceptance. That my security comes through God alone, not through other people's decisions. Ultimately, God is in charge of my security. And so it's imperative that if we really are professing to be Christians, that we are seen by our love. And so this is tough. So we want to remember, here's how we do this. We, we remind ourselves that it's God's power. I will never be able to love this way without the help of God. And number two, imperative. It's practicing boundaries so that I can truly love with agape love for extended periods of time without growing weary. Because it's tiresome to love people when you hate what they're doing. When you don't like them, when you don't like their attitude, you don't like their lifestyle, you don't like their ideology. You don't like the way they think, the way they talk, the way they walk. <laughs> it's tough to love people with the heart of God. And so Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So if I'm constantly asking for God's strength, I will depend. If I'm not asking for God's strength, I will end up depending on my own strength. This makes me extremely tired, weary, and easily offended. The more tired I become, the weaker my boundaries will be. And what happens? I do not then have the love of God. I only have the love of Cynthia, which runs out, unfortunately. So when we're practicing boundaries, it means that I accept what I cannot change. And I pray that God changes those things that I don't like to have to accept. And in the meantime... I say, in spite of all of that, God, this person belongs to you. This group of people belongs to you. 
you are working relentlessly behind the scenes in ways I have no idea that you are working, but I can trust you that you love your world more than I ever could, and you care more about your world more than I ever could. And so, God, I want to get on your page. I want to pray that you have the power, the opportunity, the presence to be able to change the world in the way that you know it needs to be changed. And I want to make sure that I don't make God's job harder. So 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. He does not merely love. He is love itself. Everything God does flows from his love. So when we look at loving difficult people or the unlovely, the unlovable, I found this quote by Rick Warren that I really, really liked. And this is what he says. He says, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. That's Philippians 1.7. This is the, the verse that he's referring to. And so what Rick Warren says is, I've discovered that if people are not on my heart, they're on my nerves. So let me read that again. Philippians 1.7. This is the NIV. This is John saying, the Apostle John, I'm sorry, the Apostle Paul. Is it right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart? So he's questioning, if you're in my heart, what's going on with how I feel? So what we are trying to do is we are trying to bring the world into our heart so that we love the way God loves. Not necessarily that I feel friendly, not necessarily that I like everybody, but that my heart aches for how fallen the world is, that my heart is grieved by how distraught, how deceived, how confused, how off the mark people are. Instead of hating how off the mark they are and hating that person, I'm going to hate the situation. And I'm going to recognize that my heart should grieve for that. I should be moved by that to pray for these circumstances. And so I like this when, when Rick Warren says, if people are not on my heart, they're on my nerves. Oh my gosh, do I relate to that saying? And so that has really helped me to recognize, wow, if people are getting on my nerves, I'm no longer having the heart of God. I'm not feeling what God is feeling. I'm not in touch with God. I'm only in touch with my own feelings. And I need to be in touch with God's feelings so that my feelings get in line with the love of God. And so when, when we are looking at loving, pe- the loving unlovable people, I'm going to give you some very specifics. And I like this, this writer. Her name is Hilary M- McMullen. She writes for Christianity Today, um, Today's Christian Woman. And, and I really like this idea that she is has put forth some, some different little um, cues and, and ways to go about this. And then I've added some of my own. But I want you to think about the fact that, that praying for the Holy Spirit's intervention is the first and foremost. And we've spent the entire show really talking about that. That if you're about to interact with a person that's difficult, and you know they're difficult, you know you have a hard time with them, You're going to first have to stop and say, God, have mercy on me. Help me. I need your Holy Spirit to go ahead of me and go with me because I really struggle with this person. And you need to have that power present so that Christ is in those most trying circumstances so that I can relax and know this person is really ultimately not my problem. My problem is me and how I interact with them. That's that boundary issue again, that where I end and they begin. And instead of trying to change them so that I am happy, I need to be accepting them, 
the way they are in this moment, even if I don't like it or disagree with it. I need to say, that's them. This is me. What can I control regarding me? Is it the way I think about them? Is it the judgments that I'm making and then enjoying those judgments and furthering and strengthening those judgments? Am I on top of how I think and how I feel? The second one, we want to be constantly consulting God's Word. I gave you all these verses in the beginning of the, of the show because I use those verses to meditate so that I can meditate on that Word and know this is how I want to orient myself. And I want to make sure that I'm seeing how far off I am from, from, from God's Word. And I want to also then remember, and I, we, I told you this a little earlier in the show, you don't know the whole story. You don't know their backstory. You don't know how they were raised. You don't know their, their personality, their temperament, the struggles that they've had, the pressures that are on them, what they've been told in their life, how people have talked to them. Okay, you need to remind yourself that there is another story. And sometimes silence is golden. Many times what I do is I practice just taking a breath in because if I breathe in, I can't talk. And that helps me sometimes to just really reorient myself. And I need to make sure I don't take me too seriously. And I need to be open to criticism and know that maybe I don't have all the information. Maybe I'm not handling this appropriately. Maybe I've jumped to a conclusion. And I make sure I don't conspire against these people. God is very clear on me not joining into dissension and faction. And I need to pray for discernment about whether I confront the issue or whether I just let it go. There are many things that in the course of time really work themselves out. Do I have to address everything? And I don't want to go looking for trouble. I don't want to go listening to the radio, searching the Internet for things that are going to stir me up. I want to be very careful about going and asking other people about that person, which is then going to stir me up even more. And lastly, I want to love because I am loved. And I forgive because I have been forgiven. And they may not even know they need forgiveness. But this is about my own inventory. This is about my own internal world. This is me giving back to God what he has so graciously given to me. So I pray that this has been helpful for you today and that you have a blessed, blessed week. And I want you to know that when hardship comes and your soul is revealed, let it be said that your soul revealed God. Have a great week. Make sure you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, Facebook at Cynthia Hyatt, Inc., and have a blessed week. Motivating and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay at any time at FaithTalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.